Hello and welcome to the We Are Geeks, a Nightmare on Elm Street podcast from wearetessellate.com, where every Friday we will be covering a new installment in the classic horror franchise. Warning, this podcast contains strong language and spoilers throughout. The We Are Geeks podcast series is published by We Are Tessellate, and it is a completely independent podcast series. We Are Geeks is not affiliated with any of the rights holders of the films referenced, and no infringement is intended. Come to Freddy. Geeks! Yay! It's getting better every week. <laughs> Hello and welcome to our Geeks A Nightmare on Elm Street franchise podcast. Every week uh, we talk you through the next iteration in the Freddy Krueger franchise. Yeah. Yeah, we do. <laughs> That's what we do. <laughs> um, we are up to number eight. The which, penultimate. The, the, yeah, the second from last yeah. as of recording Nightmare on Elm Street film. Joining me on this epic journey has been Alexander Chard. <laughs> and I'm your host, Al White. Good silence there. Um, if you want to watch Alex communicate through mime rather than words, then you should be watching on YouTube. Uh, just type in Tessellate, type in Geeks, or Nightmare on Elm Street and Geeks or something. Find our YouTube channel, We Are Tessellate. You can subscribe and get all of our good stuff there. So, number number eight, also known as Freddy vs. Jason. The most longest awaited horror film ever. I think that's pretty safe to say. Uh, had about, when was it? It was 86, 85, I think it was first sort of conceived, 84, that's what, 84, 85. Bloody hell. Took until 2003, so nearly 20 years to get it actually on the screen. Took a full 10 years of actual real pre-production. So essentially Paramount owned Friday the 13th, uh, then uh, Freddy was coming, coming along in 1984. By the time I think it was 1985, the second one was out, they were already talking about, hey, we'd like to do a Freddy vs. Jason film. Paramount wanted to do it. They thought we've been around long, longer, um, so we hold all the cards. So they asked New Line, hey, let us use your character. Give uh, us Freddy. Basically. We'll release it in, uh, uh, domestically, and you can control international distribution. I'll New Line knew that was a... Well, they didn't like the idea of that, so they no. told him to fuck off, basically. Shove <laughs> it. didn't happen. Um, but then eventually, by the time we got to... When was it? 89 or 90... Um, Paramount was kind of done with Jason. They handed it over to New Line, who bought it from them. Um, and then New Line was looking immediately at doing a Freddy vs. Jason film. They did. They rounded up their franchises, did Freddy's Dead, and they did Jason Goes to Hell, the final Friday, and the final Nightmare. Um, and at the end of Jason's film, they had Freddy's glove come out, grab his mask, a little tease. Famously, probably the worst Jason film. I hope everyone will agree it's an awful, awful movie. Uh, and you can learn all about that in our Friday the 13th podcast franchise, which <laughs> is already up. Um, um, but that ending with the Freddy Glove got everyone very excited. People thought it's actually going to happen and it's going to happen soon. The company owns both of them. How could it not happen? People were saying this is going to happen. It's going to happen. Um, and then it took another 12 years, I think it is. Um, hang on, let me check. When's the final Friday? Final Friday. Sorry, not Final Friday. Jason goes to hell. I mean, Jason goes to hell. It was 93. Sorry, it took 10 years. Just a decade. <laughs> Just a decade. Happen. Now, during this time, as I'm looking at here in my, my little notes of stuff, 
New Line spent $6.8 million and they developed 18 different scripts by more than a dozen screenwriters over those 10 years. Um, a lot of different people, very talented. I'm not going to go for more here. You can Google it and find out, but some cool people, um, including a, a writer who did a Nightmare on Elm Street 5. No. <laughs> that was a bad idea. Uh, and they said he got shot because he quite literally just happened to walk by the office one day. Yeah. <laughs> <So, laughs> um, and then they were finally getting somewhere when uh, Scream came out and changed everything, the landscape of horror. So they kind of went on hiatus again as they had to try and refigure out where does this Freddy vs. Jason film fit in this new horror sort of uh, time. <laughs> new horror, what's the word? Era. Era. That's the word I'm looking for. Era. Um, David S. Goya then, very famous writer um, who wrote Blade. He wrote, oh Jesus, shall we do this? Do we really want to go into all the stuff he's written? Blade's good. That's what you need. <laughs> he's no longer credited, but David Escoyer, who's a very famous writer, um, he did a script which they liked. Um, and then James Dale Robinson, who did the lead of Extraordinary Gentleman, rewrote. Um, and they got a special effects guru who did the thing. Legend and Total Recall was briefly attached to direct, who is Rob Bottin. Um, but then, yeah, they ended up throwing it all away again. Um, yeah. And then over the next couple of years, they got even more writers, giving everyone a shot. It went crazy. So here are some of the things that it went through. Actually, here's one in particular thing that it went through, which I like a lot. Um, this is one of the most extreme things. They had one where they actually had put Jason on public trial, a la the then ongoing O.J. Simpson trial. Um, but the box office failure of our last reviewed film was Craven's New Nightmare, which was wacky in its concept. Uh, meant that they weren't willing to go out on a limb for something that weird. Um, so they decided to to pull in the reins a little bit. Wait, so Jason was going to be on trial? He's going to be on trial, yeah, uh, for all the things he had done. And w- and it would still be a horror film? I presume so. I don't know where Freddy falls into that. Um, and then the most consistent elements throughout all the stri- scripts actually came from the first two which were commissioned from Boris and Reef. Uh, who they proposed Freddy and Jason fight because an adult Freddy had raped Jason as a kid at Camp Crystal Lake. Jesus. Um, and they created a cult of Freddy worshippers dubbed Fredheads, <laughs> whose goal was to resurrect their spiritual leader at any cost. To the dismay of many at New Line, the Fredhead stayed in the scripts for quite a while, gaining a leader who would be in the film as much as Freddy or Jason. Uh, less consistent across the scripts uh, was inclusion of prior characters, including Tommy Jarvis from um, from Friday the 13th and Tina from Friday the 13th, Alice from uh, Nightmare on Elm Street series, um, and some of the other ones completely ignored anything at all. But you can read a whole bunch of those scripts if you just go to nightmareonelmstreetfilms.com. Those actual yeah, the early scripts? scripts. Yeah, wow. most, most of them have been released, so you can check a lot of them out. Um, they eventually got around to doing this film, but... Where's my note on this one? They eventually got around to doing it. They found a script that they liked. Um, and I didn't know this bit of information. So I was following this film very closely when it was being made and getting close to being made. Um, but the original script for this um, was 130 pages and it was going to be about a two and a half hour movie. Um, and it needed a $60 million budget. Um, it, but it wasn't working out because they didn't have a $60 million budget. Two months prior to actual production, Ronnie Yu, who came on board as director, who did Bride of Chucky, later on he'll do Fearless as well, um, he only agreed to direct if he could make whatever script changes he wanted. 
Uh, so Shannon and Swift tried to f- their best to follow Yu's notes, but then they brought back in David Goyer again, um, who was autom- who came in as a script doctor and cut out all the fat so the runtime could clock in at around about 90 minutes. So you're talking about uh, chunk, at, le- at least an hour yeah. of the movie taken out. Um, and the, the budget was only allowed to be about 25 million, which is not big for a big, huge budget movie. Definitely by far and away the biggest budget any of these films have had in either series by quite a margin. Um, So Goya cut out multiple backstories um, among all all of the characters. He created a new ending, gave Freddy far more dialogue um, and combined a bunch of the characters also. Um, And his rewrites continued to happen throughout filming as well. Never a good sign. Uh, So you think after... 10 years of full pre-production <laughs> you wouldn't need to keep rewriting yeah. your script during filming would you disappointing disappointing well that seems to be the way certainly the freddy films have gone that's except true. maybe uh new nightmare and the first one but they all seem to have been yep made up of, as they went along yeah. basically yeah so the Friday films, as bad as they get, they've always been pretty simple in premise mm-hmm. so they've even though they were rotating them every year it was kind of always clean things. You either liked it or you didn't know what they were doing. The presentation could be sloppy. The acting could be sloppy. But the ideas were normally fairly simple. Uh, nightmare films, yeah, not not so. Always some crazy bad shit, inventive ideas, which is both its best thing and its downfall. Yeah. I feel with this series. But we got it in the end. Freddy vs. Jason came out 2003. People went fucking crazy for this. And I mean, fans went absolutely crazy for this. And I was one of them. I was in one of those cinemas with people cheering, picking a side. So you were on Team Jason? I was Team Jason all the way. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't At that point, I wasn't as big a Jason fan as I am now because I really hated all of his films. I just right. liked him as a character. Going back to them recently, again, go to, go to the, listen to the podcast to find out how I feel now. But I'm definitely more a supporter now of his films as well. Um, I loved the first Nightmare on Elm Street film at that point, but I didn't enjoy any of the sequels other than Seven. Um, so yeah, I was, I was just a big Jason fan. So I was supporting his side of the cinema. I wish they'd actually split us into two sides. That would have been fine. <laughs> <laughs> so we could fight. Alex, where were you at this point? You'd seen Nightmare at some point and that's about it? Uh, yeah. Yeah. What, at the point of when this was released? Yeah. So you were aware of this whole yeah, thing happening? Yeah. So I was aware of it, but probably at this stage, slightly indifferent. Um, Freddie was probably the character I recognized the most out of the two. I mean, I knew who Jason was, but I hadn't and still haven't seen any of the Friday the 13th. Film. Well, you have now, baby. This well, I've is your seen first yeah, Friday the 13th. This is my first film. drop into that that world. So I knew a bit about the the story of that and the kind of um but yeah, at the time of the, this release, I think I was just pretty pretty indifferent to it. So I think this is great. Um we also have a podcast on this film as well on our Friday the 13th retrospective that's with Katie and Justin so different opinions I'm on it as well but I approached it as a Jason film here I'm going to try and approach it as a Freddy film okay. as best as I can um, but it's kind of great because on that one Justin had never seen a nightmare film mm-hmm. um, and he had just watched all of the Friday the 13th films you've never seen a Friday film but you've just watched all the nightmare films so it's kind of interesting it's like the opposite to get your perspectives on stuff how you feel about stuff um mm-hmm. I might tell you later how, how Justin felt about the film and the characters Sure. Um, from that perspective. But here's one of the things I said to you, because at one point you turned to me in the film and said, so you're going to need to explain Jason to me. Yeah, I, I said, had a few questions. I said, no, I'm not going to do it. 
I want to know what this film gives you. As mm-hmm. someone who's never seen a Jason film, yeah, how confused you are. So before we talk about the film, just tell me that. This is your first Friday experience. How did you? How did it feel as its first Jason experience? How confusing was that? Well, I guess, um, you know, Jason is quite a big pop culture sort of icon in the horror slasher genre. So I know a bit of his backstory. I know that, and correct me if I'm wrong on anything, but this is kind of what I knew going into it. Mm-hmm. I knew about the whole summer camp, him being bullied, drowning in the lake, coming back, killing a bunch of teenagers, but also his mom doing that in the first film. Mm-hmm. You know, it's fine. I know that that's the spoiler ending. No, no, no. It's not a spoiler so, so um, that's about as much as I knew okay. about Jason. Okay. Um, and what he looks like, obviously, in his weapon of choice. Um, so coming into it, I guess my biggest question and what I wanted to ask you at that point, like I loved all his kills, uh, uh, especially going from watching all the nightmare films where Freddy just becomes progressively more outlandish and loud mm-hmm. and talks so much. It was nice to sort of just have a silent imposing figure <laughs> yeah. who could just have anything thrown at him and he would just keep going. And that, that was cool. The thing that I wanted to ask, uh, which I don't, which I don't know. Well, I kind of, I guess, but is Jason then a, a sort of supernatural figure? Okay. Interesting. So, yeah. So I guess with nightmare, you understand the parameters of Freddy's powers. Yeah. And other than the films that have contradicted that, mm-hmm. you know, when he's in real life, he's, he's vulnerable. But yeah. with Jason, you're kind of, what's the deal? <laughs> How do you Yeah, like, is he him? resurrected, but is he still got, like, human vulnerabilities and weaknesses? Right. Okay. Or does he have sort of, like, superhuman power? And then also I was thinking he's this big lumbering guy. Where does he hide during the day? Like, does, is he, he's like, does he is he hiding or is he because he's supernatural? He's like he disappears or that's what I don't didn't understand about Jason. So, I mean, they these I feel didn't ruin my experience of watching this film. Mm-hmm. It's just a question mark of how are you meant to think they're going to tackle him or take him down? Yeah, so yeah, like, just what, kind what's of the rules. Yeah, essentially. I okay, think, yeah. that's interesting. Yeah. Because they have a definite scene in the middle of this movie that we'll get to in a minute with just pure exposition to try and catch you up on Jason's past in case Mm -hmm. no one's seen any of those. This is a New Light film, so it's definitely a Nightmare on Elm Street film. You know, it's set for the most part on Elm Street and it feels like a Freddy film, even though Jason's arguably doing cooler things in it. Um, Freddy only gets one kill in this movie, whereas Jason gets... I can't remember just the crazy number of kills he gets in this film. So yeah, I think it's confusing if you if you haven't seen a Jason film before. The answer is complicated, I guess, in terms of it's it sort of depends on which movie you watch, but yeah. there is a definite line in the Friday thirteenth movies. If you haven't seen any of those, you're intending to listen to a podcast, skip the next couple of minutes of this because I'm just gonna very quickly outline what that is. But I'm not really gonna spoil anything about the movie, so I won't worry about it too much. Um but yeah, in the first film it's more of a thriller. It's, it's got a lot more dignity to it. It was, it's his mother. Um, Jason's not a thing, obviously, at that point. He is now to us. So it seems like a twist that it's his mother, but it's not. You're never meant to think it's Jason. Ever. Right, okay. Jason died as a little kid. You don't know who's doing these killings. It's his mother. She's upset with the counselors. Um, so she's taken it out on the next slide of counselors. Um, 
then in the second one they realized they had a hit they had to bring him do something with it so what so what do we do and they thought well let's pretend and it's muddled for sure and they admit themselves they were making it up as they went along but they decided well what if jason didn't die actually in the drowning what if he escaped crawled into the woods and lived like a feral kind of child and saw them kill because they kill the mother obviously at the Mm -hmm. end of the first one and they behead her so what if he saw that happen and then he picked up the machete that beheaded his mother and took that with him so in the second one they ripped off a film called the town that dreaded sundown they gave him a mask like a bag over the head um and then in the third one by that point they realized oh people like jason we should keep him uh but we need to do something different with the mask so halfway through the third one he finally gets his hockey mask mm-hmm. so it takes a long time for him to become jason in right those films um and arguably he's still not till part four and that's when they thought they were killing him off by the time they got to right. that five he's not in it so the first few movies up to the end of four he's what we what they call real jason he's a human being they call him hillbilly jason as well he's just like this mongoloid child who's crawled out grown up and and is all messed up sure by the fourth one he's a little bit more indestructible than he should be but you feel like he's a real person he might run at points as well then came the divide with five then in six he is dead and buried and he's rotted and they went crazy batshit weird with it and he's brought back to life by lightning yeah he's spiking his grave like frankenstein from then onwards he's zombie jason uh, which is my preferred jason for sure which is what he is here. yeah so this one's weird so from then onwards he is indestructible like yeah. he's always a bit indestructible like most of these creatures are but he is completely indestructible to completely supernatural things you can try and put him down they end up a lot just chaining him to the bottom of the lake and right. just doing it well don't go near there and you'll be okay mm-hmm. um but in this one it's weird because they've gone more with his old look he looks like he has a leathery face and he looks kind of real he in um in the latter jason films he becomes completely you can see his rib cage you can see his skull in his face and stuff like that like he's a decomposed zombie mm. almost um so yeah they kind of took the design from the beginning ones but i guess by this point he's just such a as a pop culture icon he's seen as indestructible you know yeah. he's seen as just a he's a force of nature more than any of the slasher you know villains so i think they just play with that there's no way to take him down you yeah, can't yeah. take jason down you really can't um and they've tried a million different ways so they even make a joke of it in jason x where they said like they actually have him trapped for months and they've tried different ways to kill him and they can't kill him um so it's a good question yeah indestructible is yeah is cool. the only answer supernatural i guess mm-hmm. yeah. They, yeah they definitely split it both ways in this film so if you're not tired of hearing my voice already, I'm tired of hearing my voice. <laughs> what is the story of this movie? Tell it's us convoluted. How. It's weird. <laughs> As we just learned, though, it came from a 130-page script cut down to a 90-page script. So that kind of explains why it's so convoluted in many places. They bring back a lot from the old Nightmare show. So. Yeah, I was really surprised. I was really surprised what they chose to bring back. Um. Well, they chose, but yeah, also how much they brought back and how much of that world they sort of recreated, which yep. was pretty cool. Yeah, in a very glossy fashion. Very glossy. So you begin, Jason is dead. I'm using quotation marks. Mm-hmm. He is buried in a grave. We're not sure how because he was never, never left buried in a grave in previous Friday films, but whatever. Um, and we get a VO from Freddy who makes it abundantly clear as he talks to us, the audience... Not just peripherally. He's directly talking to us to say he's been gone for far too long. He misses, you know, doing what he's doing and being with his children. Um, But everyone's forgotten about him. 
So he needs to remind the children on Elm Street who he is. Uh, in order to do that, he has to send someone out, basically do some killing. And he says he scoured the bowels of hell and eventually he found someone appropriate, which is Jason, who is, seems to be wandering around in hell just killing nude girls in his dreams. <laughs> seems to be what's happening. <laughs> he resurrects Jason. Jason has a soft spot for his mother. Um, so he pretends to be Jason's mother and instructs him, you've got to go to Elm Street. You're not done yet. You've got to kill more teenagers there. Hoping Jason will kill people. People will presume killings are happening on Elm Street. It must be Freddy. They'll talk about Freddy again. Freddy will get his dream power back and we'll be mm -hmm. able to continue slicing. Ridiculous, but no more ridiculous than anything we've been sold in a nightmare film up to this point, I feel. Yeah, like I said to you, I think towards the end, uh, that concept was much more simple and easy to follow in its basic premise than than uh freddy uh, freddy five yep the dream child the dream child that's our bastion of all the films <laughs> um so jason does that immediately um wanders there very quickly not sure how long it would take him a few months because he's got to get from new jersey which is where crystal lake is to ohio <laughs> springwood takes a little while wow i didn't realize it was that far because they also drive they drive it later at breakneck pace <laughs> but anyway i can let's give him benefit of doubt jason gets there some teenagers are hanging out we're introduced to laurie who's our new lead who is played by what's her face i've got her name monica kina we're also introduced to uh will rollins who's placed by well, no we're not actually at that point we're introduced to kia her friend who's played by kelly Rowland from destiny's child um, and a bunch of other kind of disposable characters at that point. Um, oh, and her friend. What's her friend called? That girl. Where is she? Where is she? Catherine Isabel? Is that her? Yeah, Catherine Isabel, um, who plays Jib or Gib. I'm not sure. I don't, <laughs> I, I don't think I heard her name called at any point in this movie, this, this girl. Um, they're hanging out at someone's uh, at the Nancy residence on Elm Street, having a sort of party, I guess. Jason turns up kills one of them um they rush out the police start talking about it they mention oh it's in the nancy house must have been freddie back been freddie the other policeman said shh don't mention, mention that, name. that name so they've shut it down basically <laughs> they know they don't mention freddie to anyone to get rid of his powers it's kind of the whole um of springwood we presume is a part of this kind of deceit to the teenagers um, a whole new generation so they never mm -hmm. hear freddie but it's too late one of them's mentioned it laurie overhears it she starts having dreams then about Freddy, but he doesn't have his powers yet at that point. She gets some immediate exposition about Freddy. A little girl um, kind of explains some of his lore. Definitely more of a sexual side to him, I feel, mm -hmm. that's being presented here. You see him licking the back of a photo, don't you, at one point? And yeah, which he puts in his book. Yeah. Actually, to, to go to that point, that opening, um, I actually really liked, as, as far as the Freddy point of view, not necessarily the voiceover part, but the part of seeing an innocent child in his boiler room mm -hmm. when he's before he's even burnt was just so creepy and so sinister it's for really me. It's really creepy. You know, even though it's kind of got the glossiness of this production, for me, it was like, oh, wow, like that. You, you never saw any of that. Yeah, you haven't seen Don like this before in terms of him towering over the little girl and really, yeah, she's, and like, she's crying and it just looks, yeah. Yeah, it's, that was really unsettling. Yeah. Um, but this is important. We'll get to that. So bring that up again in a second because mm -hmm. I want to focus on that definitely um, and why they do it so early. Um, but anyway, she gets some exhibition about Freddy. She starts asking out about him more. We're then introduced to Weston Hills, which is back, the psychiatric home or whatever you want to call it, um, from part three. Yeah. Um, I don't think we've seen it again since then, have we? Um, 
maybe in the dream child well, because we see, it's sort of implied yeah, where the hundred maniacs were. The maniacs, yes, yes, yeah. yes. Um, but we haven't seen it really properly since number three, so it's kind of cool to have that back. We find out that Laurie's ex-boyfriend Will is there, and he's um, stuck there with his friend who's called Mark. Uh, they both were having Freddy dreams, um, and it turns out anyone who has Freddy dreams, they get put in Western Hills. They get given Hypnosil, which is back also for number three, mm-hmm. the dream suppressant. Um, and it's kind of like a you know, weird incubated place with all these teenagers floating about. Um, they then see on the news that a murder happened at Laurie's house. So he wants to break out. So the two of them break out of there and go and uh, find Laurie at school and start talking about... She's talking about explaining her dream of Freddie to her friends. Mark turns up, fills in the rest of the gaps. The whole school starts listening. So I'm thinking, oh, they're going to spread the news of Freddie to everyone else. But we don't really deal with that again, which is interesting. Um, then... You know, they're teenagers, so they decide, let's have a cornfield party to celebrate the death of one of our favorite (laughs) people. Uh, So they do that. By this point, Freddy's starting to get more of his powers back and starting to get to the point where he can actually kill people in their dreams again. Uh, There's a cop who's just moved to Elm Street, conveniently from Crystal Lake, um, who seems to notice that, no, this could be a copycat of Jason Voorhees and not this Freddy Krueger that no one's talking about. At the cornfield party... Um, the girlfriend of the guy who got killed right at the beginning, um, she basically stumbles, uh, gets really drunk, passes out. And as she's having an attempted rape by a day glow dude. Yeah. Really fucking nasty scene. Yeah. She's having attempt- someone's attempting to rape her while she's passed out in his cornfield. Freddie comes after her in her nightmares. Pretty cool scene. Nearly kills her. And then just as he's about to do the final uh, slash of his glove or whatever, she gets speared by Jason in a tufa as he takes out the rapey and her. Um, and Freddy gets all upset because Jason's stolen his kill and he feels like it's a dog that's kind of not controllable anymore. So Freddy then decides he's going to have to sort out Jason. The kids, however, in a weird middle-of-the-film meeting where they just discover all the exposition <laughs> and figure out, oh, Freddy doesn't like fire, Jason doesn't like water, how are we going to use this? And <laughs> yeah, put together really the whole story very quickly. <laughs> yeah. As Laurie's really dumb boyfriend, Will, just goes, well, it all makes sense, really. Maybe Freddy was trapped down in hell and had no way to get any of his power back because no one believed him anymore. But then he saw Jason was a way to use that in order to kill people. So he just puts it all together straight away in this scene. It's hilarious. But anyway, they do that. Um, Another cool bit about that is them sort of arguing who's better at that point yes yeah, yeah. there's a little riff song which who's they should be afraid of should he be more afraid of freddy yeah should he be more afraid of jason they decide uh they realize that no one was having these dreams when they're at weston hall sorry weston i've already forgotten how bad are we at weston whatever it's called um so they decide that they have to weston hills uh the reason was the hypnosil the drug that they were on the dream yep. suppressant so they decide to break into weston hills get the dream suppressant um, and use that as a way to stop Freddy from attacking them. While they're in there, some stoner dude who's basically Jay from Jay and yes, I was about to say, We'll call him Jay. We'll call him Jay from now on. He decides to get stoned because of course that's what you do when you're being chased by two maniacs. Mm-hmm. Um, Freddy then uses that kind of dream state of his to possess him um, um, and try and use tranquilizers to take down Jason. He succeeds Jason is then tranquilized and out for the count. But the teenagers decide, let's get Jason back to Crystal Lake. 
where he has home ground advantage because by this point they've realized Jason is less of a threat to them than Freddy and they have some bad history with Freddy as well in their town obviously mm-hmm. getting back to Crystal Lake Laurie's going to go into a dream grab Freddy bring him out and make the two of them spar mm-hmm. um, so they do that <laughs> basically uh, Laurie goes into a dream finds out a little weird side plot that I didn't mention earlier because honestly doesn't really matter she thinks her father murdered the mother finds out freddy actually murdered the mother very insubstantial doesn't matter at all in this mm-hmm. plot finds out freddy murdered her mother um she pulls freddy into real life freddy and jason then go at it for about 20 <coughs> minutes like a wrestling match to yep. heavy metal music gets very bloody um eventually limbs come off eventually freddy uses jason's machete on him jason then uses um uh, Freddy's glove on him and spikes him through the chest almost killing him Jason falls into the water Laurie picks up the machete gives the final line of welcome to my world bitch and chops off Freddy's head that's right and then off they walk cut to the last scene Jason's walking out of the water with Freddy's ha- head in his hand and then at the last second Freddy winks to camera and the music plays and off we go into end credits. Tackles. Woo! That's quite a... I missed there was also a battle in... So they have, there's two battles there's between Freddy battle. versus Jason. There's a dream battle and then a real life battle. But we'll get to all that now. Anyway, well that's the rough story. I'm tired of my voice now. So you talk for a little bit. Walk us through some of this, buddy. Walk us through. So here's the beginning of the movie when, yes, we find out a little bit more about Robert Englund. As the Springwood slasher. Yeah, so we we see a bit of Freddy uh, in the beginning in his boiler room. Um, I think like sort of a throwback to Nightmare uh, on Elm Street, the first one, and New Nightmare, we see him making his famous Mm -hmm. glove. Um, uh, Whilst there's a Freddy voiceover sort of explaining about his obsession with killing children, uh, how he was killed by the town once he was discovered, um, but how he gained more power through death um, and that he's been able to continually satisfy his appetite. Uh, it was a lot all at once to kind of have this voiceover to kind of catch people up and it makes sense now uh, with you saying they, um, they cut a chunk out. Yeah. Um, for me, watching it, I was like, that would have all worked with pretty much none of that voiceover. Yeah. Of like the picture they were painting, um, which was really cool. And which I mentioned a few minutes ago, um, as you see, you're in the boiler room you with Freddy before he's uh, the nightmare Freddy uh, when he's still human and a little girl cowering in the corner as he casts his claw shadow over her. And I thought that bit was awesome. Like I thought it was so dark, so sinister, really unsettling. And I was like, oh man, that is, that's the kind of Freddy film I want to see. Because, yeah, you were asking at the end of the last one, you wanted to see Freddy's backstory a mm-hmm. little bit more, but in a kind of, you know, respectful manner. Yeah, which yeah. they do in a bit here in a very, let's press the fast forward button for the MTV generation sort of Yeah, feel. yeah. Um, or I guess MTV, MTV2 generation by this point. Um, but it's, yeah, just the exposition, the VO, it's so much. It and is. You, have, you both have this respectful, sinister version of Freddy in the, in the flashbacks. And then the cheesy sort of Freddy's dead style Freddy giving mm-hmm. you VO at the same time. He has sharpened demon teeth, which he's never had before. Yeah. 
which is an interesting choice. But this is why I want to talk about this. They show you this uncomfortable imagery of him with children mm -hmm. right from the beginning, licking the photo, which is really uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Little kids cowering, all this stuff, the, the demon teeth. They're really, in my opinion, they're very much painting him immediately as he's the bad guy of this film. Yep. It's a nightmare film, but he's the real bad guy. Mm -hmm. um, and we talked about this a bit when I did when we did this podcast before with different people, but I feel in some movies you think, okay, well then he's getting the bad end of the stick. Why would New Light do that? But these are villains. So I think for them, for their dignity, they're like, well, our guy has to be the main bad guy and Jason can be the hero because that's not as cool. Yeah, yeah. I feel that that's the vibe they're going with here because Jason, by the end of the movie, is definitely painted as the hero and Freddy is the bad guy. Yeah. For sure. And I think this is just an immediate way to give you that backup that you're going to need of, oh, he's not a nice guy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you might be funny or we might like him because we're familiar with him. And you might cheer for him if you're a Freddy fan. But legitimately, he's the worst of the two. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like if if you're like me and you come into the film, I mean, I had a bit of a Jason backstory understanding. But if you don't, you know, the film very much establishes his backstory about... Uh, you know, having a deformity or disabilities or whatever and being bullied and, and as a consequence drowning. So you, you very much fall on his side and then be, uh, become sympathetic to him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. That definitely paints him as yeah, a I villain and, 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 and throws back to that sort of idea of, of Freddie, you know, being a, sort of like a greater demon and quite demonic in the sort of new nightmare sense, I think. Yeah, well, I'm glad you brought it up because, yeah, we'll definitely bring that up later. Um, they seem to try and cover a lot of the different Freddies here as well with mm -hmm. tones, different scenes calling out to different ones and iterations of him. Uh, you do have this line right at the beginning, which, which really bothers me. You get these images of the little girl and stuff and then his mouth in close-up saying, when I was alive, I might have been a little naughty. <laughs> But once yeah. they killed me, I became something much, much yeah, worse. Yeah. And you're like, a little naughty? Yeah. <laughs> really? It seems kind of inappropriate. Um, but then, yeah, he talks about getting Jason on board and says he'll get the blood, but I get the glory. So very quickly, just giving you the backstory you need, reminding you who Freddy is. If you don't know who Freddy is, this really does tell you straight away mm -hmm. and propels you into, well, here's our setup. Off we go. Let's just, yeah, yeah. Let's just get to the killings, which they do straight away yeah I, I remember when we were doing the friday ones it takes a little while for each of those films to warm up um they don't necessarily get to the kill straight away particularly the lead characters this one is just off the bat like it comes straight in jason's just there kills this this douchebag of a guy uh, by stabbing him with a machete for a bed a whole bunch of times and then snaps the bed in half well there's even the bit uh is it before the VO or after? The Where, nudity. Yeah, the nudity and the girl on but the... But that's in his brain. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, he's already got one kill in yeah. straight from the beginning. So yeah, we started this movie and it's a minute in and a girl just turns around and gets her boobs out straight away. And sure, there's nudity already? I was like, yeah. welcome which to is, Friday the 13th, Yeah, buddy. it was quite surprising because Elm Street, I think over all of those films, not, not including this one, there's probably, I think... Maybe two or two boobs? or three, and yeah. they come. I think the first one's in part three, mm -hmm. and then there's one more in part four, I think, in nudity terms. That's right. And then yeah. they kind of drop off again. Yeah. Um, not so with Friday films. <laughs> <laughs> in some, well, there's not as many as people think. There's normally like one 
like pair of boobs a lot of guys running around like partially naked or fully naked in those yeah. films as well but then later on for sure it became a, a real like you have to have a lot of naked people that's interesting um so is that giving you as soon as you start this film are you feeling this isn't a nightmare film is it feeling like a friday film or something um in some ways no in some ways it because of that setup for me it felt like a freddy film like he felt like the main hmm. guy like or the, the main sort of driving force of the narrative because of that intro and it's like he brought jason to fulfill his needs um so for me i viewed it in that sort of sense Okay. Even though it had, I guess, I'm guessing a very Friday the 13th Jason elements. Mm-hmm. For me, I, I viewed it and watched it very much as a as a nightmare film, although completely different yeah. <laughs> from anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I also felt that it felt, I got a great sense of that 10 year gap as well, as far as where slasher films had gone. Yeah. To and where how they progress. We're in a different world here from, you know, even from New Nightmare, but particularly yeah. from Freddy's Dead. Mm-hmm. This is a whole different, yeah, type of film to be making. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, okay, so then we're introduced to our leads. We've got Laurie and Will in Western Hills. I really like seeing Western Hills again, actually. I wrote down a note in this film as I was watching it this time because yeah i hadn't seen the nightmare films in so long it was interesting to see them and then this and i normally judge this against jason's films rather than freddy films mm-hmm. and i was i was writing down there's so many weird stuff they do here from the series and what i'm finding interesting about it is and i have a lot of problems with this film don't get me wrong but they take a lot of shitty things that i hated in previous films and here they manage to do it in a way that i find fun there's a lot of stuff which i wouldn't have let them get away with in a previous film you know but here I'm kind of alone for the ride. And I don't know if it's just because it's such an expensive film. So yeah, it looks yeah. beautiful for the most part. Um, or if the direction is just more aggressive and fun. So he pulls it off. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas other directors weren't able to pull it off. Maybe a combination of those two things. Yeah. Uh, but Western Hills is one of those things. And then, you know, we'll get to some of the, the kills later. Like the cap- Caterpillar Freddy. <laughs> things like that. Um, but yeah, this, this team that we get, honestly some really bad leads i mean laurie's insipid in my mm-hmm. opinion and she's kind of useless as she just runs around a lot looking sad um her boyfriend is awful he's such a bad actor will the guy who's oh, yeah. looking at the floor the guy that you said <laughs> uh chris klein school of acting yep yep <laughs> um and not as but not as enigmatically bad mm-hmm. as chris klein. yeah and then you've got Destiny's Child Girl, mm-hmm. who is not a great actress no. by any means. Um, honestly, one of the better ones is this, you know, the sort of slutty one whose boyfriend dies at the beginning, and she's not an interesting character. Yep. I liked the nerdy guy. Nerdy guy was right. Who yeah. I thought was, uh, I, I thought he was Miles Teller, but he's not. No, he's not. He is, I'll find him. You, 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 you let us know your feelings on the people we've just mentioned. And I'll find him. Uh, yeah, no, I, I agree. They sort of... For me, if they felt like just your typical slasher film cast of this time, like the, like in a, in a sense that it's like we'll tick the boxes of the type of people we'll want or that we need for this kind of film, but 
that's all we'll do. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. Without kind of layering them in any way. Um, but the nerdy guy was kind of cool. I liked him. Um, I can't find him here. And then you also had the guy, uh, her boyfriend's friend in the, who was at Western Hills, who was having the Freddy nightmares. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he was pretty funny. I mean, there were lots of moments uh, where we'd both be caught laughing of sort of uh, explosive emotion. Yes, for sure. <laughs> Just like <laughs> a weird point. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, enjoyable character, not necessarily a great actor, I feel, but yeah. Um, yeah, I love that UV van as well that they, they just stumble into his mm-hmm. performance in there is pretty, pretty special. Yeah, so when I saw that, I said to you, why are they in... Whose van is that? It looks like the Scooby-Doo van. And then later on, that's what they called it. Yep. The police officer called it that. Exactly. <laughs> um, okay, so, all right. So we're, we're, go- we're going along with the the group of characters, even mm-hmm. if we're not loving them. Um, the movie's definitely fast-paced enough that it's not really yeah. a problem. There's a lot of information it's trying to give you all the time. Yeah. Um, do you... F- I mean, how about with then the effects? So there's way more CGI in this movie. Um, now, we criticized, not necessarily CGI because it wasn't at that point, but less practical ways of doing the Freddy nightmares and things like that in previous installments. Mm-hmm. This one... I guess we're finally at that point where CGI can do cool things yeah. with nightmares that we haven't been able to do before. So they use, they lean on CGI a lot in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you feel about that with the nightmare film? Um, some of the bits worked, I feel. Uh, one bit I particularly didn't like with the CGI was the worm caterpillar part. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was sort of a stretch too far for me. Um, going back to penis ready from yeah number three. that's sort of what it made me think of um i'm trying to think of the other dream sequences um, you had the cut nose um you had the boy you were just talking about in the bathroom with the weird stuff in his feet and then um and then freddie what does he do to him in the end i'm trying to remember when he's in the bathroom and they're at the window and he's kind of screaming at them Freddy slashes across his face and then uh, he that's burns right. in his back, Freddy's back and stuff like that. Yeah, f- that that scene I actually felt the CGI worked, like the bit where the tendons were sort of mm-hmm. coming up into his feet and then there were the worms because that, that had a kind of mix of CGI with some practical effects, I think. Yeah, for sure. In that bit. So there was a good balance. The nose bit, yeah, some of the CGI didn't work for me. Um, I know that... It, Obviously, compared to the early 90s, late 80s films, it's a huge step forward. Mm-hmm. But it still was a bit... Still not quite there. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree. I think by 2003, they were doing ambitious stuff with this movie. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't quite there for... I like it as best when it's simple stuff. Like, the first time you see Freddy and he doesn't have his power uh, to kill yet, he's on the street and his shadow just becomes elongated. Uh, yeah. And then that he kind of pops cool. out of his shadow to try and kill the kid, but can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that bit. Um, but yeah other than that I mean I like I think it's one of the reasons the fight at the end which obviously we'll talk about at the end of this podcast why that works so well is because that's all practical basically yeah. there's a couple obviously there's a lot of CGI you know touching up on things but mm-hmm. but it's a very practical fight um, but yeah the CGI elements in this yeah one of my favourite elements of the movie for sure yeah Um. so then okay where do we get to I mean, let's just get to some of the better scenes. 
of this movie. Uh, for me, the first real stand. I mean, I like how it starts off in terms of once we pass that VO, you get straight into killings. Mm-hmm. Um, I like some of the creepy things they're still bringing up with Freddy. Like Laurie sees a little girl crying as well with cut out eyeballs. Yeah. Uh, which is really just good imagery. And the missing posters with the faces that turn to watch yeah. her as she walks by. Um, really though, for me, this movie kicks off when you get to the cornfield party. That's when it becomes like the party film that this film clearly is. Yeah. Um, this is a film, yeah, I, I always think, you you know, as I saw it in the cinema and everyone's cheering, anytime it's seen afterwards, like you need, you know, some drinks and the more people you have in the room, the better everyone can, you know, have some fun with how dumb it is, but mm-hmm. how much fun it's having. And the cornfield party, you got just a lot of great lines. The, the dude is like, this, dude, this Everclear is kicking my ass <laughs> yeah, right yeah. now. Um, yeah. And then you've got Jason set on fire fucking walking through the cornfield and then throwing his fiery machete like threw it into someone's back and then he picks it up and just starts cutting them off one by one that bit was awesome and then i love the bit when he's on fire and then the next thing he knows he he cuts open a keg yes. and then is just sprayed with beer and just like the fire goes out and he's still just standing there all drenched it <laughs> just keeps going. on going love it everyone's just screaming he takes out so many people in yeah. that one scene What's interesting with this film is when he, like, so you mentioned the machete is a big part of, of um, Jason's sort of pop culture. He doesn't actually use it as much as you think in his series. He right. likes to mix up his kills with a lot of different techniques. Mm-hmm. This movie, he only uses a machete yeah. for the whole film. I don't think he does anything else. He uses that stick once, I think. Yes, in he, the comfort when yeah. he does the twofer. Mm-hmm. But yeah, other than that, it's all machete kills. And that was a kill that could have been a machete very easily, so it's yeah. a bit strange. Um, yeah, which I was impressed with considering they don't give him any variety. It's always kind of fun (laughs) when he's killing someone. There's a brutality to how they shoot it in this film. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I really enjoyed those bits. Um, and again, I think it's because, you know, I think of the Freddy pool scene from Nightmare 2 and it's chaotic but he's so animated. He's so communicative with all the kids that he's murdering as he's doing it. That it was more... Firstly, it was more sort of fun and evocative in a way that Jason doesn't speak and this kid's around and he's just relentless, doesn't stop. And that was kind of cool. I really liked that. It was very entertaining. So that's the, I mean, yeah, that's the thing. Cause, because he doesn't speak, that's a personal reason why I like him. I like Michael Myers. I like my quiet killers. Um, mm-hmm. Freddie talks too much for me. Yeah, yeah. But I appreciate in this film, it's a reason you couldn't, they couldn't do Michael Myers versus Jason because no one's going to be saying anything. Yeah, yeah. You need to have someone talking. So it's weird because I appreciate, I don't like Freddie being too jokey, but he has to be mm-hmm. a bit more jokey in this film because he's got to give Jason something to play off of. But then at the same time, I felt that he wasn't... I still feel that this was a, a Freddy that was definitely a step down from Looney Tunes. Um, mm-hmm. Freddy's... What was that one? Final Nightmare. Yeah, Freddy's Dead. Yeah, Final he's Nightmare. definitely a step down from that. Yeah. There was still moments when that darker, sinister side of him definitely came out. Um yeah, and it didn't go... You know, there were some bits when his reactions or his comments did push that kind of cartoony limit, but it was never as far as that, I felt. Yeah, it, yeah. there's points in this movie which every time I watch it, they still make me cringe. 
but mm. there's other points where I'm like, oh, that's how I want to see Freddy. Yeah. Increasingly again towards the end. So, I mean, for instance, when we get to after the cornfield massacre, <laughs> um, yeah, they have that embarrassing conversation that we talked about when they're around the table and just exchanging yeah. information way too quickly. They go to Western Hills. We get the caterpillar thing we we're just talking about, which I agree. It's too. It's just the CGI doesn't work. I was watching mm-hmm. it this time, thinking I wouldn't mind it so much if it looked great or yeah. if it was maybe practical even. But yeah, it just doesn't look very good. Um, and then yeah, they they get Jason and Freddie meet in. Sorry, they meet in in the cornfield. They meet in the dream world. No, they don't. No, no, yeah. It is when he first goes under. Yeah, mm-hmm. Western Hills. They meet in the dream world, and this is one of those points where. This is the Freddy battle, I guess, in Freddy and his home turf going up against Jason. And later we get Jason on his home turf. And I always forget the dream fight in this because like, largely because the last fight's way more awesome. But partly just because Freddy is the Freddy I don't like in this scene. Right. You know, he's using his groin to throw Jason around like a pinball machine yep. with pinball noises that you're going on as Jason, like he's getting flung around through the air and hitting the pipes yeah, of his boiler awful. room. And it's just ding, 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 yeah. ding. And Freddie's kind of laughing and yeah, just gyrating his groin and stuff. And it's just loud and obnoxious mm-hmm. and fast and stupid. And it's like a 12 year old wrote it. And I hate it. I hate it, that stuff. It's funny that scene, the first half I really liked be- before it got across that line, because for me watching it, I suddenly felt, Oh, cool. I'm seeing Freddy in his dream world where I'm really actually seeing him use and manipulate his environment and use his powers in that world. Right. Yeah. Because often in the nightmare films, you know, you so frequently you would have kids come in there um, and it would sort of almost be a game of cat and mouse. And yeah. It's quite practical in a way. Yeah. And it was kind of cool. There were elements that I liked just when he was sort of like manipulating the environment and throwing stuff and but then the moment yeah like you said when he started thrusting and the pinball noises came in i was like okay now it's just yeah you've pushed it too far but then he does bring it back because then he realizes like uh, he ruptured some water in the boiler room the whole i mean they play with color a lot in this film which is cool you have the yeah, van whenever really cool. they're in it it's blue when they're first in freddy's dream world it's red and then when the water comes out it turns to this sort of bluish green mm-hmm. um and then Jason, and they have a great shot of them standing on either side of the water falling. And then later that's mirrored in the real world when you have each of them standing with the fire between them. Oh, yeah. Um, and yeah, and it all turns to green and he realizes, oh, Jason's scared of water, which is not canon. <laughs> Jason <laughs> is in water a lot in the Friday 13th films, but when it suits them, they pretend that he's scared of water. Um, and he, yeah, he then, Jason turns, he uses that, creates rain. I love this scene. I think this bit's really great. Turns Jason into like a sniveling little kid. Again, really makes you empathize with Jason. Yep. Um, and then he puts his blade into Jason's temple. Yeah. And pierces him to go inside his brain. And you get this flashback that you were mentioning earlier of Jason being bullied. And I like the setting of this. I just love you get the 50s car and you get, you know, you feel like you're in a different movie for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really like the design of it. But then you get Freddy fucking a dead corpse. <laughs> wearing a camp crystal lake t-shirt wait that's when she goes into the dream yes yeah yeah but at this point it leads into that they kind of because isn't it when he stabs her in the neck isn't that when we see jason go up out of the river into his house and he opens the door oh yes my bad yeah i'm mixing i'm mixing the two dreams up yeah i'm sorry so it's like correct 
yeah that that's my that's one of my two favorite bits in the whole movie yeah um because it's sad jason yeah 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 he goes into his brain and this is we talked about this on those podcasts but this is the, the jason film i want um where it's beautifully filmed and jason's just walking sadly through his lake dragging this hauntingly well-made dead body behind him goes into his house opens a cupboard and there's all these just people floating through the water mm-hmm. yeah you're right you're right my bad um so yeah the latter half of that seems really good yeah um but that bit in the middle just really sucks <laughs> yep yeah um, but then we do move on to so the girl they're transporting jason yes from ohio to new jersey in one <laughs> night or in a few hours yeah let me just see. Let me just Google Maps this for a uh, second. And uh, Laurie, our lead, decides to... Tells the group that if she goes into the dream world, um, she will hold on to Freddy. They wake her up. She'll bring Freddy back and they'll start the battle. So whilst they're in the van on their way to New Jersey, she uh, she sedated? She is, isn't she? They give her some yeah. of this... Um, and this is leads into the next bit that uh, you just started talking about, Al, where she arrives at the camp uh, in the 50s, beautiful, um, sort of picturesque camp, uh, beautiful yellow 50s car comes out of the camp, kids are running around. We see them bullying um, Jason and eventually pushing him off the dock. Which again is changing the canon a little bit with Jason. They move this around a little bit. Uh, in the original one, he was just out swimming by himself, essentially, right. um, or or he falls in by himself, and no one notices because the counselors are all yeah doing drugs and having sex and stuff. In this one, he's definitely bullied by the kids. And this one, I mean, they're really trying to play up. You have to sympathize with mm-hmm. this character. He was bullied. He drowned. No one cared about him. Even the counselors didn't care about him. He then watched his mother get her head chopped off. You know, you feel there are reasons for him being what he's become. Yeah. But yeah, then you get Freddy having sex with a dead corpse yeah. <laughs> saying it's not my fault she's a was a limp lay or something something and, like that um and he's dressed in a yeah crystal lake t-shirt which just looks funny it says here on my google maps now i've i just typed in springwood ohio which there does seem to be a springwood ohio probably not the same one and i was wondering if anyone google maps would put in a crystal lake in new jersey but no one seems to have i thought that someone might have had fun with that but it's around about an eight hour drive we're talking about so not something you can do in one night and i don't think i mean it's possible i guess if they started really early when it was dark but they're in the night for a long time yeah yeah so i don't know about that but Mm -hmm. let's just go with it let's go with it let's go with it um yeah i really love this scene how did you feel again like being new to jason are you feeling you don't care are you feeling you just want to get back to freddy are you feeling more attached to him for this stuff like um painting a backstory that quickly with him with jason in this camp bit just in yeah and the stuff you're getting from when freddie goes into his brain and he's all sad um and then the camp bit it certainly made me sympathize with him for sure it made me kind of um yeah just feel sorry for him and 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 i guess want to back him in that fight do you know what i mean um yeah and there was a part when laurie was in that flashback where she sees uh jason drowning and goes to help pull him out but then sees his face and then kind of freaks out and my sort of initial response to that was oh great she's gonna pull him out 
and then he's going to be sympathetic to her and help, which is not really how it played out anyway. Mm. But I was certainly... It almost is that there's a little pact between them. He looks yeah. at her once she's once you know Freddie's dead. Yeah, there's definitely a moment between them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, I was definitely feeling for him, and I and I liked how they brought back the kind of Freddie drowning thing. Yeah, which has been one of my favorite kills throughout the series. Yes. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's interesting because I'm asking that because with Jason. He had someone else, someone different play Jason every single movie, unlike Freddy Krueger, where it had to be Robert Englund. Up until number six, the zombie one we're talking about. And from six until ten, he was played by the same person who's a stuntman called Kane Hodder. And he became not as revered as Robert Englund, but for the Jason community, everyone loved him. You know, mm-hmm. he, he is a horror icon. Um, and they switched him up for this. Uh, so I just learned, which I didn't realize, he was, he was up for the role. Where did it say this? Newline initially kept Hodder um, with the process, sending him the script in early 2002, offering him an invitation to meet with Ronnie Yu and some of the New Line execs. Um, but then they offered him a contract with a lower than expected salary, and when he asked what was up, um, he was told they'd have to get back to him. But after that, things changed a lot. And I remember this. So I remember them putting out ads for they were auditioning for a Jason, and they wanted one with more sympathetic eyes was what they were specifically asking for. Um, and they ended up using a guy called Ken Kurzinger, who had actually done a couple of the stunt Jason things before in uh, Jason Takes Manhattan. And you can actually see him as a bartender in that film as well, briefly. Um, but he's much taller. Mm-hmm. Uh, they wanted someone sort of taller. Kane Hodder's shorter, but way bulkier. Um, this guy is just a mammoth. Like, you know, he's yeah, enormous, yeah. but in a more of a tall way. And for sure, they usually his eyes a lot. Yeah, I was really movie. surprised. Um, which again, I think is just trying to get you to connect with him a little bit. And like you say, like for someone who, I mean, you started as a Freddy fan going into this. I'm not saying you're a Jason fan because you haven't seen those and I don't know how you feel really about him. But as you just said, you're backing him a little bit more by the end of this movie because mm-hmm. he's the sympathetic character. Yeah, yeah. Too. Um, so I think that's an interesting way for them to go. Yeah, because I mean, and we talked about this before, I, I have not at any point sort of been, been rooting for freddy yeah in any of the films yeah you know i like the character but at no point am i like yeah that's a great kill freddy or like she deserved that i don't know yeah well let's get to the end then because this is the point where i'm the same as you where i've just been waiting can i get on board with freddy can i be cheering when he's killing people like as you saw me in this movie i'm cheering when jason's killing people because that's what i'm there for and i enjoy it um when you get to the end of this movie jason Going up against Freddy in the real world, he pulls. She, Laurie pulls Freddy in. Heavy metal music. I sent you this clip a few weeks ago because mm-hmm. we were getting ready for Civil War, and I said, "If you want to know what the greatest was," <laughs> um, and I was only half ironic with that. Heavy metal music comes pounding in. The like Freddy looks scared. Jason's just had a fucking awesome scene anyway, where the the way they shoot the power of him, like wedging his yeah. machete into a table and stuff, and throwing people uh, around the cabin. He then like grabs Freddy and just runs him through all the windows of the cabin that bit's really cool. in the best shot of the movie. <laughs> like it's just so violent and aggressive and awesome. And this leads into the full on battle between the two of them. And this is a long scene. I would say about 20 minutes or so probably. Yeah, it was really long. Um, and this is a scene where I feel if I was a Freddy fan, a true Freddy fan, I could be backing him in this. Not necessarily... 
I feel he's the best character to win from a narrative point. But just in that, it's fun. It's, you know, he's using all of his moves. You feel that you're not sure which way it's going to go at any point. You realize they can't really kill one of them because then the fans would be really upset. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is a scene where surely, I feel for the first time in a nightmare film, I can cheer. Yeah, yeah. You know, I can cheer at the violence and I can cheer at the dumb stuff Freddy's doing as well as the stuff Jason's doing. Because mm-hmm. uh, Freddy gets creative in here. He's pulling out wrestling moves. He's pulling out wrestling moves, yeah. Shooting off... Uh... Like uh, gas cylinders. Yep. That little one liner of man, the torpedoes. Yeah. I, I enjoyed the bit where <laughs> where uh, Kelly Rowland faces off with Freddy and she's like, I'm not scared of you. And just taunts him and in like humiliatingly. She's really. In that sort of like popular girl like, what kind, kind of, of way. faggot wears a Christmas sweater. Yeah. <laughs> like, just Jesus. like humiliative. It's like your little butter knives and he's sort of like looking at himself. And then he looks up and he just flicks his sort of finger and is like, eh. uh, and then Jason's behind her and he just pummels her into yep. a tree. And I thought that bit was great. Yeah. That was really funny. It could easily have not worked. They do a similar stuff where you're essentially demasculinizing your villains, essentially. Mm-hmm. They do it in Halloween at one point and it's just embarrassing. Yeah. It's, um, I think it's Buster Rhymes goes up against him and just starts calling him out and doing ninjutsu moves on him. And it's just embarrassing. <laughs> it just doesn't work at all. But yeah, they pull it off in this one. Again, though, as a Freddy fan, I feel I'd be pissed off with this because Freddy doesn't kill her. Freddy, like we say, Freddy kills one person in this entire film. Yeah. Um, Jason gets all the kills. But he does say at the beginning, he'll get the kills, but I get the glory. Mm-hmm. Or he'll get the blood. Um, yeah, yeah, and then you get the... Uh, he does an Irish accent at one point for no reason, which I didn't quite understand. Yeah, when he drops all the like metal bars down. Yep. Because what would, do you remember the line? What does he say? No, it's really, it's not a good one line or anything. It's literally like, come over here. Well, you know, some dumb thing. Um, but yeah, spears in with all these metal pylons kind of thing. Really bloody. They're just yeah. panning across the gushing blood coming out of Jason. His mask keeps oozing blood from all the holes in it as well. This is it's such a visceral battle. Yeah. Um, it really is. And by the time they get flung unrealistically onto the pontoon deck, they're just like Jason's on the floor and Freddy's got his machete and he's just hacking at him and it's just spraying blood and you can tell it's all practical. Like I don't know how many blood packs they had to put in that fucking you know jacket he's wearing, but it's just spraying up a mist of blood with every single hack. It's brilliant. It was funny because when that scene started, when Freddy first drops into the real world, um, and he looks up and there's fire around him. And they're sort of standing between fire and Freddy's like, oh, fuck, I'm in the real world. And they first kind of battle and there's like a few dodges and punches. My first kind of gut instinct was like, oh, God, this is is not going to be good. Like, Interesting. Why is, like, how's this going to work? Like, it's not going to be entertaining in any way or it's just going to get old really quick. But then obviously you have the drag through the window. And then from that point on, it was just... <laughs> it was just a lot of fun <laughs> a lot of fun uh and just seeing like how brutal they could be to each other and there the fact like you said the the kind of practical use of, of blood packs and spraying everywhere and jason's arm off yeah it was just like constant and oh my god and this is where i like freddy again because freddy's not joking he's actually in trouble yeah and he looks evil he's looking fucking badass 
Um, yeah, there's that bit. Oh no, that was on the. So like, yeah, there's a bit just before that in the dream where Freddy comes jumping out of the water, and this is where you bring back that demon thing you're talking mm-hmm. about. Which, yeah, I, I heard some other guys talk about this. A lot of people don't notice it. I feel for sure that's a throwback to New Nightmare. Yeah, I feel that is a nod to there's an inner evil inside Freddy that's older and darker, and this is our nod to that mm-hmm. um, because he looks, yeah, like a completely different Freddy. Yeah, because um, he didn't look, look uh, the skin didn't look like burned skin it looked yeah way more sort of demonic yeah he has a little horn shape yeah but in a way i don't mind as much as how he ended up in new nightmare when he's melting like this was kind of i would i would i would be happy with new nightmare even having had this look Mm -hmm. it just looks more like a true demon um and they do it again right at the end here as well for a brief moment um they play with that a couple of times he's much redder as well yeah in the face um, so yeah, I'm on board with Freddy at the end of this. I really like it. And then they do this cool fake out where they're both blown into the water from an explosion because Laurie and her stupid boyfriend Will are sticking around to watch them die. And they're just, everything they do is in slow motion. Did you notice that? Yeah. <laughs> Freddy yeah. and Jason are in real time <laughs> hacking each other. And then you cut to these two humans and they're just running, yeah. getting gasoline, getting fire. <laughs> she bounces around because she's just, she's ridiculously stacked in this film. And then burning it up and blowing the propane gas and... Freddie and Jason go flying into the water, obviously putting out the fire. So why even bother doing that? They're really dumb. And then you get the good fake out of you think it's Jason. Heavy footsteps mm-hmm. introduced with the machete. They're looking up scared. I know it's Freddie. Looking badass. He's got no arm. Yeah. He looks really mean and scary. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time I was like, this is, that's the Freddie I want. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think he said anything at that point, did he? No. Then you just get his glove come bursting through his chest like yeah. a like an alien chest burster, mm-hmm. um, and then Jason doing like a little <coughs> wink to Laurie. You're welcome. <laughs> you guys owe me. Yeah, send some teens my way. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. God, fuck. I just I just love the ending of this movie. It's just like, it's so much fun. Um, Alex. Yes. That's Al. you. That the other me. person in the room. Yeah. Um. So we're getting there, but the ending of this movie, before we close out and start talking about if we recommend it or not, mm-hmm. did you think at any point one of them was going to win? Um, or oh, I guess I should ask a different Do you feel one of them did win? No, I don't feel one of them won. I mean, I kind of, I got the sense, I, I got, you know, you, you before that sort of ending where you see him with Freddy's head, yeah, it kind of gives you the sense that, well, Jason got the victory this time. But knowing this franchise now, the Nightmare franchise, and uh, and how sort of strong this the fan base is for both characters, I never felt like it was going to let it be so definitive as to who comes out on top. So I've, I've, I've always felt like, okay, well, something's going to happen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Something's going to happen. Um, so yeah, that's how I felt. Um, so I wasn't surprised when... Yeah, I know a lot of people... Freddy. Some people are angry. A lot of people, I think, do feel Jason wins this one because mm-hmm. even though there's the wink at the end, it does feel like Jason gets the last hurrahing. But you are an unfair kind of place of, well, Freddy's meant to be mortal when he's brought to the human world yeah yeah doesn't stand a chance against jason obviously in, in the human world jason as we just described earlier is, is indestructible no one can bring him down mm. so it's like well he, how can he not win because yeah. he can't be killed presumably um 
But when this film was first being made, I was so excited about this. And I've just learned more background on what happened with it. Um, so Michael DeLuca loved the gimmick that Clue had done, the classic Tim Curry um, uh, adaptation of the popular board game, where it had three different endings uh, that came out in theaters. And he wanted to do that. So, uh, so sadly, he got fired at New Line before he could really pull his weight with it. Um, but he was pursuing Freddy vs. Jason having at least two endings and preferably three. I remember him talking about three specifically at the time. Yeah. And he wanted it so one was where Freddy won, one was Jason won, and another one was kind of a draw. Um, and the whole point was as you went into theaters, you'd never know which one you were going to see, which print. So you just had to keep paying more money to try and see all the different <laughs> versions, idea. which is a great money-making idea. Yeah. Why they didn't do that, I have no clue. Maybe they just ran out of time. Um, maybe it was just too much planning and money to finish off the film like that. Yeah, It would have been awesome on Blu-ray. You could have had a random button if you wanted or if yeah. not, just picked who you wanted to back. I was really sad when that didn't happen because that for me is the way you should do these films. Yeah. Because then it's no longer canon as well. You can follow on from whatever ending you want to follow on from. But we get the fun we want, mm -hmm. which is to yeah see different endings. Um, but yeah, in my eyes, Jason does win this one. I, the last shot of Freddy winking at camera, which was, of course, a Robert Shea idea. <laughs> of, <laughs> we need to leave the door open. <laughs> he built this house. It, yeah, he literally built it with bricks and mortar. I hate that last wink. Uh, I remember being in cinema the first time I saw it. I was like, oh my God, they actually followed through on something. And oh my God, Jason's yeah, yeah. won. And Jason's coming out of the water and it's this brilliant shot. And the music's like, and I loved it. And I'm like, please don't make him, don't make him wink at the camera. Please don't make him wink at the camera. He winks at the camera. He winks, of course he does. And laughs. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't happy with that. I mean... To be expected. To be expected. But... It would have been nice if they follow through. Particularly, it was the last Rob Englund film. I doubt we're ever going to see Rob Englund as Freddy again since they've rebooted it. So you'll probably get into this in the next one anyway. Did they? Was it New Line's decision not to bring Robert Englund back? Yeah, um, for the this well, we'll talk about it in the next one. Okay, but times have changed. I mean, Robert Englund was definitely getting old in the tooth as well mm -hmm. um, for this stuff. He'd been doing this by this point since '84. This was 2003, yeah. so for nearly 20 years he'd been playing this character. It's a long time. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I would have personally enjoyed some finality to it. It would have been fun. Um, as it is, I feel it's a bit of a weak, weak way to go out. But Yeah, I guess some finality to it would have worked because I don't think fans of either franchise would really put this in the canon of those stories yeah so you them. see what i mean now i mean you can totally take this as sure it comes after freddy six mm -hmm. you can you what's happened i mean but you can also take it as it comes after the end of the friday films it doesn't really fit but it does it's the same characters and it's still mm -hmm. rob englund playing him it doesn't feel like it could come after new nightmare for me yeah I agree. Um, yeah. even though it's a clearly set more in the modern day but uh, yeah it's just its own little world mm -hmm. i think really that it occupies so this movie was made for $25 million, which up to that point was far and away the most expensive nightmare film. Previously, it was held by four, which was $13 million, but that was astronomically more than most. Most were around about $5 million. So this was about $20 million more than most of them. It made $115 million. God damn. Up until that point, the biggest, uh, the one who made the most money again was number four at $50 million. So it brought in a truckload of money. And word was that New Line went crazy with advertising this film. They spent another $25 million on marketing. 
So they spent $50 million on this film, um, which is a lot of money for a horror movie. Yeah. That started off as a $1.5 million (laughs) movie, and Friday the 13th started off as a $400,000 movie. Um, For me, personally, really enjoyed a send-off to that era of both of these movies. Nightmare in particular, because it's embodied by Robert Englund, Mm -hmm. to have this as his last hurrah, to get to see him in a slickly made version of all this stuff done in my opinion despite a lot of problems done well yeah um, was really nice to see before he before he hung up his claws as it mm-hmm. were um did you think it was a good send-off for robert england yeah absolutely i feel like um new nightmare was a great sort of reclaiming of of that sort of story i feel but then i think also this was good for him to kind of I think get that balance sort of right now between the wackiness of the character and the real sinister darker elements. Um, And also getting to give us a little glimpse of the human Freddy in that sort of, in that mode, which was really interesting. So a little bit of what he was asking for. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's kind of weird because it got the it went to six and then suddenly it got its dignity back, whether you liked it or not. With New Nightmare, is something very arty and strange, mm-hmm. and then just a f- dumb party movie, and it's kind of well, it's kind of a good way to send it off. Here's something arty and strange, and here's a party movie. Yeah, off you go. That's the end. Yeah, Alex. But at least it was entertaining. <laughs> it was. Do you know what I mean? Uh, I'm not going to ask you what you'd want it to do after this because mm-hmm. we all know the reboot came. I don't know. I mean, do you have? I mean, would there be something after this? Would you want? Um, for a long time they were trying to develop a Freddy versus Jason versus Ash from the Evil Dead right? Uh, which I was fully on board with because I love Bruce Campbell um, from the Evil Dead and that would have worked I think because Bruce Campbell's talkative enough and funny enough and has charisma to carry that whole film that would be cool sadly it only ended up as a comic book which wasn't very good right Um, no I don't have any actually ideas of or (laughs) desires of where I would want to go next with with this franchise or with Freddy. Um, it's done. It's done. I kind of, I need to see this reboot now to sort of, I think for me, having now seen all these films and now on the cusp of seeing this reboot, I think will give me a good idea of how I feel, like whether I feel a sense that, no, there's more in that character that can be made and then can be done interestingly and this is how I'd want to see it. Mm-hmm. Or it'll, 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 it'll just be kind the of magic in like, a bottle that first time. And yeah, and it'll be like that's it's 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 run its course. Yeah, yeah. Um, have you seen any of the other Platinum Dunes remakes out of interest? Uh, no, no. Okay, that's interesting. So, so what's left, Alex? What is left? Your Alex? final thoughts. Do you recommend people to see Freddy versus Jason? I yes, I do. I do recommend this film. I at its simplest at its most simple i was i was entertained throughout the whole thing um it never really drops off or really sort of takes a breath from the kind of action so it keeps keeps a good pace um and like you said the kills sort of start from the get-go um i think there's elements of freddy that are really sinister and dark um and that really kind of add to the the really sort of rich and good elements of his character. Um, 
And I feel if you're unfamiliar with either sort of Freddy or Night the Nightmare series or the Friday the 13th series, I think this is um, an easy film to drop into. Yes, mm. they give you a lot of that information and backstory for people that haven't, um, but you get up to speed pretty quick and then you get to just enjoy the, the entertainment. And I think it's very, it's the film is very much... Uh, it's it's very much of its time like the the first nightmare films are you know it's it's got that sort of early naughty sort of feel <laughs> off the back of the success of scream and and that sort of new wave of slasher films uh which i found really entertaining and fun so yes definitely watch it maybe separate it from for me like detach it slightly from the canon of either stories and just enjoy it for what it is cool yeah so i think when i love i mean i Let's be clear, 100% recommending this movie. I love this movie. I think it's great fun. I've seen it so many times. Uh, but I think last time when we talked about it on the Friday the 13th ones, I think I said, because I hadn't seen the Nightmare films in a long time, other than the first one, I said it was a it was a bad Nightmare film set in the Nightmare on Elm Street universe, but a good Jason film. Watching it this time after all the Nightmare films, I actually think it's a good Nightmare film, mm -hmm. uh, just because so many Nightmare films are much worse than I <laughs> remembered them being. Um, and I feel this actually works really well as a nightmare film. And like I say, it does a lot of the dumb stuff I hated in part four, even in part five. Some stuff I didn't even like in part three. And it does it in a way here with the charisma that it can get away with. Uh, my biggest problem with this movie isn't Freddy and it's not Jason. Even though I have my problems with Freddy in this movie, I think he is too talkative. He The, the VO is garbage and it's way too rushed but it's the teens. The teens are the problem I have with this movie. The humans I feel are useless and not the most unlikable, but largely unlikable. Um, and the acting's just not very good with them. And that frustrates me a lot with this film. Um, which is weird, because I think when I came to it again from the Friday perspective, we were like, oh, they're not the worst teens. <laughs> so potentially Nightmare presents some more interesting characters. Mm -hmm. um, and after watching the rest of them, I'm just these characters aren't that interesting. Yeah. Plus, they're just annoying. They're whining about the parents the whole time. The parents had it set. They would they, yeah. they they had it figured out so Freddy would never come back and then the kids go around with stupid parents they don't understand and then oh shit on <laughs> the crap stick and it's I don't know like it's a dumb movie it's full of bad dialogue it's clearly been messed with right up to production which is ridiculous for a movie for you know it's been in development for a decade we deserved more for sure for a film we'd waited for for so long but. The last 20 minutes are so fucking good, in my opinion. <laughs> it's worth the price of admission, even if you don't enjoy the rest of the movie. Personally, I've learned to accept the trash of it and enjoy the rest of the movie. I think it's fun throughout. I think if you have some friends with you, I think you have some drinks, yeah, it will definitely it. It definitely improve. And I think it satiates both Jason fans and, and Freddy fans. I really do. I think it's a generally good portrayal of both of them. If not, you know, it may not be perfect, but... I think it's actually one of the best Jason's ever looked. He looks great in this. His his clothes are beautifully decomposed and things. So yes, 100% recommend from me. I'm looking forward to when we get the end and I get to put these in order because I, I might have a surprising order that I want to put these movies in. Interesting. Number two is my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> so next week we are doing our last, last podcast in this series, Alex. Good night. Then it's all Freddy. over. A Nightmare on Elm Street, the remake in 2010. It took them another seven years to get another one of these going. And when they did, 
Yep, it's a reboot. It's from Michael Bay's Platinum Dunes, who had done Texas Chainsaw Massacre. They'd done Friday the 13th. They did The Hitcher. And now they've done Turtles, <laughs> which really fits into that mind frame. Um, we're going to talk about that next week. Please come. Please watch these movies with us um, and subscribe to our podcast. We are called Geeks. Geeks. We do a weekly show, um, which is topical games and movie reviews and news and stuff like that. Um, and you can just go to We Are Tessellate, which is our company. We are Tessellate. Two S's, two L's. Hopefully that's popping up on the screen so you understand what that is. If I wasn't too lazy to put it up there. Um, and from that website, you can link out to all our podcasts, to all our social medias. Talk to us, follow us, subscribe to our stuff. Go on iTunes, type it in, leave us a rating. It helps us out. It really does. Um, and you can also watch our movies. Because we are a production company. We're based out of LA. We're based out of Tokyo. Based out of London. And we're making our first feature film right now. Which is called Starfish. But we also have some web series. We have some... Alex is making a film right now. <laughs> so if you want to watch that, go to YouTube and check us out on there. It's beautiful, man. You'll see it on the big I like screen. how pretty... Oh, you're looking for the viewfinder. You have it closed. <laughs> just to make your life really easy. <laughs> um, yeah. So you can see our films. Because that's what we're really about. We just do this stuff because we're crazy. And we don't like to sleep. Um, and if you don't like to sleep, then join me and join Alex on the Chard mm -hmm. next week for the final Nightmare film. And we're out. <laughs>